Welcome to Redemption Church. You're listening to our weekly podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right. You guys ready? You pump. Uh, it's not the sermon that I have planned, but it's still going to be the best sermon ever. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Uh, and as you turn there, I want to read just a couple of things that the Holy Spirit Uh, really spoke strongly to me as we were worshiping. The first thing is this, and if you wanted to title your notes this, uh, or give this sermon a title, you could say, God doesn't use perfect people. Alright? God doesn't use perfect people. In fact, uh, I don't believe that He can use perfect people. And so, if you are putting on the, the act that you've got it all together, and that you have everything worked out, and that your life is hunky-dory, uh, then you, know, you have no need for God, right? And so God doesn't use perfect people. So if you've got issues, you're in good company. If you've got weaknesses, you're in good company. All right? I believe that it is our imperfections or the things that we drive ourselves crazy about that qualify us to be used by God, that make us usable. And so I don't know about you, but that's good news for me because I'm an imperfect individual. Do we have any imperfect people out there in the house? Now I believe that God is perfecting us. He's working on us. Christ in us. uh, The Holy Spirit leading us. And we are on our way to perfection. But God doesn't use perfect people. And I believe that's why it's poetic justice that Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And we're going to read something that he put in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you there? Alright. Verse 1, this is the New Living Translation. It says, This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. Is this wetting your palate? Are you getting excited about this? I know that when I first started reading this, I started getting excited. I wanted to know what Paul had to say, right? I wanted to know what he saw. I wanted to know what he heard because he's really wetting our palate right here with all these things, all these revelations and visions that he had. But then here he says in verse 5, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. And I'm thinking, oh, what a bummer. He says, I will boast only about my weaknesses. Sounds great, right? How many of you love listening to your friends or your family boast about how weak they are? Anybody, you have any of those people, those sad, sap people that you get around and they start telling you all their woes and every problem that they have and all their weaknesses and, oh, woe is me and I just can't seem to get a break and I just have so many problems. Have you ever had, you ever heard, you ever pulled out your violin and got the little thing going on? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And, and, this went. This took such a change for me as I was reading this and I was getting excited about these revelations and going to the third heaven and all this different stuff. And then he just completely thwarts it by saying, alright, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Alright? I'm not going to do it. I'm only going to boast about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, and you can tell that there is a struggle that's going on here in verse 6. He said, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. 
now you can start to understand why there's a struggle that's going on here. All right? And he continues. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Can anybody relate to a thorn in their flesh today? We're talking about those weaknesses. We're talking about those things, those, maybe those character flaws that we have or those personality traits that, that we are not all for. Uh, we have a thorn in our flesh and it's a messenger from Satan, he says here, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And so I believe that we have weaknesses and we have things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves, maybe for this very reason, because we don't need to become proud. And we'll understand why we need to avoid becoming proud here in just a moment. But he says three different times. How many times? Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Have you ever begged God to take away your weakness? Or your source of stress? Or your source of, of you know, just being annoyed? Do you ever ask God to take certain people out of your life? Anybody? I mean, am I dealing with some honest folks today? You know... Lord, my life would just be so much easier if you would remove this person from my life. And some of you are laughing because that person's sitting across the room right now and you're like, well, it sure would be nice if they just went and joined the festival out there or whatever's going on. You know, but, but we all understand this, right? It says that three different times Paul begged that this thorn in his flesh, this messenger from Satan would be taken away from him. This weakness, this personality flaw, whatever it may be, whatever it represented. Lord, take this away. And then listen to what Jesus said. And most of us can probably quote this in one translation or another. He says, each time he said, so that means three different times. If he begged three times and each time Jesus said this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Woo! I'm telling you, this is about to get good. And if you came in here sad, you're about to get happy. Maybe not. Maybe the four of you are going to get this, right? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I've got a few things I want to share with you. And I promise it's not going to be long, but I do promise you that it will change your life if you receive this in your spirit and apply it to your life. First thing, how you handle or how we handle the reality of our weaknesses will determine whether we will overcome or be overcome in this life. How you handle the reality of your weaknesses will determine whether you will overcome or be overcome in this life. You know, impossibilities in certain situations in our lives, they tend to magnify our deficiencies. Whenever you're facing something that's bigger than you are, whenever I'm facing something that is bigger than I am, I begin to realize in that moment just how inadequate I am. Have you ever been in that kind of a situation in your relationships or on the job or, or wherever, maybe just in life in general, where you're facing a decision, you're facing a moment in your life that is so much bigger that, than you that all of a sudden your deficiencies become glaringly obvious, right? And I'll tell you this, when we are faced with this reality, we have a decision to make. We can go in one of two directions. We can respond in pride or we can respond in humility. We can respond to those 
things with pride and try to pretend like we don't have anything wrong with us and we cover it up and we act like we've got our act together, right? And everything is good and everything is just right with the world. I think sometimes believers, uh, new believers and seasoned believers, we come to this place where we think that we have to be perceived as having it all together, that we can't be flawed, that we can't have problems, that we can't have issues, that we don't walk through anything. And that's just not the case. And I'll tell you right now that a world that has issues can't relate to a Christian that pretends like he doesn't have them. The world cannot relate to perfect people. Alright? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so to try and cover up, it's a form of pride. To try and act like we've got it all together. And I'll be the first one to admit to you, having been a pastor and a youth pastor and being an evangelist and missionary now and whatever, working in the school system like we do, a lot of times I feel like I have to give off that vibe that I've got everything together. I can't allow people to see that I have weakness. Because they're looking to me for help, right? And that's just not the case. And so we need to accept our weaknesses and understand that I have them, she has them, he has them. These are the things that we can identify with each other on. How we can relate to each other. How we can show the world that we're real. And so we need to respond to those things out of humility, you know, I found that attempting to work things out in my own strength when I face those difficulties or I face those weaknesses, attempting to work those things out in my own strength, uh, it's just a recipe for failure. You know, we are not naturally equipped to handle everything that we are destined to face. And if you think you are, you're going to fall flat. And I like to say this, enter God's grace. Enter God's Grace. Aren't you thankful for, for the grace that saved you today? Aren't you thankful for the grace, the free gift of God's grace? There wasn't one person in here, myself included, that could have saved himself or herself. Not one of us could have saved ourselves. And so I am thankful for His grace in my life. Amen. Ephesians 2, verses 4-9, through 9, I like this. It says, but God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Everyone say, by grace. grace. And then He raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, I want to bring something to your attention here again that I just read in verse 7. It says that He wants to show the exceeding riches of His grace in and through our lives. He wants to use us as shining examples of His grace in every arena of life. In every relationship, on the job, in school, in the supermarket, wherever we are, He wants our lives to be shining examples of His grace. Of His, not just of His regular grace, not just of His ho-hum grace, but of the exceeding riches of His grace. You know, we receive salvation by grace through faith, but there must be a need for grace beyond salvation. I believe one of the tragic things in, in, in the church today are, are believers that receive salvation by grace, but then they never 
tap into grace again for the rest of their lives as a believer. You know, salvation is only the beginning of God's grace in the life of a believer. It has no end. I want you to hear me today. That same grace that saved you is the same grace that empowers you to live the life that God has called you to live. Four different places it says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And he's talking to believers. Those are in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. Paul's writing to the churches at those places and he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace. So these guys are already saved that he's writing to, right? So he's not talking about God giving them grace for salvation. He's talking about giving them grace for every arena of life. I've got more grace for you. God says to you, the Lord Jesus Christ says to you, I've got more grace for you. I didn't run out of grace for your life at salvation. Don't don't leave this this grace that I have for you behind. Tap into this grace. I'm going to give you more grace. And when you run out of that grace, I'm going to give you more grace. I've got more grace for your life. Listen to me. God's grace or grace is God's supernatural empowerment. Hear me today. We hear it as His unmerited favor. Well, absolutely. Yes, it is. But another definition in the Greek says it's His supernatural empowerment. It's His strength toward us, in us, through us. Grace is God's supernatural empowerment. 2 Peter 1-2, I love the way that, that it says this. It says that grace and peace be multiplied to you. I don't know about you, but having something added to my life is great, but having something multiply, that implies repeated addition. Repeated addition. He's going to multiply it. And I believe that He wants to exponentially apply and multiply grace to each one of our lives. He has an unlimited amount of grace and strength for your life today. He is not poor in grace. And it doesn't matter how many times you make a withdrawal from His grace stockpile, He still has more where that came from. And I believe He would say that to you right now. I still have more where that came from. But Lord, I used Your grace at salvation. I still have more where that came from. Lord, I'm having problems in my marriage. Can You help me? I still have more grace where that came from. Lord, I need a, I need a new job. I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need a promotion. I still have more grace where that came from. He's not going to run out. In fact, He wants to multiply it into your life. Multiply. And if nobody else is going to get happy about that, I will get happy. I will get a hold of that grace. It's His supernatural empowerment. His grace enables us to do what we cannot do in our own strength. Did you hear me? His grace enables us to do what we cannot do in our own strength. None of us could save ourselves, so we needed His grace to be saved. Does that make sense? None of us, uh, works couldn't do anything. doesn't matter how many good works we do. It was grace that saved us. It doesn't matter how tr- hard we try, or how good we are, or anything like that. It's His grace that enables, uh, enables us to do what we cannot do in our own strength. So if you can't love somebody the right way in your own strength, guess what? There's grace for that. If you're not getting along with some co-workers, guess what? There's grace for that. 
There's grace for every weakness in your life. Man, this is good. This is the, bur- the best sermon ever, man. Anytime you see the word grace in Scripture, I would encourage you to do this. Liken it to God's power and strength. Just put that in there. It is by grace that I have been saved. It is by God's power and strength that I have been saved. Does that make sense? Put it in there. The grace that saved us, redeemed us, forgave us, transformed us, and delivered us is the same grace that empowers us today. And you know what? We access that grace by faith for salvation. We access that grace for every area of our lives the same way. By faith. Tap into it. By faith. If you believed that He could save you, surely you can believe for whatever breakthrough you need in your life. Surely you can believe Him to help you with your personality defects. Surely He can help you. You can believe and have faith for Him to help you in whatever your weakness may be, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, whatever. Surely if you could believe for Him to save somebody like you, surely if I could believe for Him to save somebody like me, I can believe for every other area of my life. There's a grace for that. What's impossible for us to do in the natural is easy for God. It's so easy for Him. We strive in vain to do what God does effortlessly. Well, I just got to fix myself. If I work hard enough, if I, if I go through this program about how to better myself as a person, I can. and I'm not saying not to do that stuff, but I think sometimes we work ourselves silly when there's a grace for that. His power in and through our lives makes the impossible possible. Now let me give you the key here. James chapter 4, verse 6. This is New Living Translation as well. I'm going to share three things with you from this. It says, and He gives grace generously. As the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me read it again. He gives grace generously. As the Scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. First thing from this verse is God gives grace generously. He gives grace generously. Have you ever met a stingy person? Have you ever been a stingy person? Some of you are like, I'm going to be stingy when I go to lunch today. It says 15% tip on the receipt. I'm giving 8%. You know what I'm saying? Stingy people, right? God gives grace generously. Aren't you thankful today that you don't serve a stingy God? But He gives grace generously. John 1.16 says, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Now remember I said to put in God's power and strength wherever it says grace. And so you could say here, from His fullness we have all received strength upon strength. Or power upon power. Man, He's not running out of grace. An all-powerful God never has a power shortage or a power outage. Second thing, God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. Proverbs 16-18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A prideful person falls with no one to catch him. You know, here recently, we just got done uh, earlier this month with the NBA Finals. Any basketball fans? You guys watch? It wasn't really much of a Finals. Uh, if you watch basketball at all, I mean, Golden State completely destroyed uh, the Cleveland LeBrons. 
And but I, I noticed something as we watched. We watched all four games. I, I guess it's just something that we do, even though we knew what the outcome was going to be when we saw who the two teams were going to be, as most of the nation and world probably did. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed as we were watching the game, at no time did the Warriors try to help the Cavaliers win. Right? Nor did the Cavaliers, no matter how it looked, the Cavaliers did not try and help the Warriors win. Why? Because they were opposing teams. Does that make sense? Now, taking this back to where God opposes the proud, when we are living our lives full of pride, we're on an opposing team to God. Right? That's how I take this. God... It's not like He all of a sudden becomes against us, but what happens is, is He can't help a proud person to become victorious. Does that make sense to you? God will not help. He's not going, let me put it this way, He's not going to aid and abet your prideful endeavors. He's not going to come alongside you and give you grace to help you do whatever it is that you want to do in life if it opposes His will. And when we are walking in pride, we're setting ourselves up for a fall because it's in the moment that we begin to walk in pride that we put ourselves on an opposing team to God. And I didn't figure you guys would shout a whole lot about that one. Maybe you'll shout about this one though. So, God gives grace generously. He opposes the proud. And the third thing, God gives grace to the humble. Woo! God gives grace to the humble. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Humility attracts God's grace or power and strength. Humility attracts God's grace. So if He gives power to the humble, I want to be counted among those people. I want to be a person that walks in humility. And you know what being humble really means? Being humble simply means keeping yourself in proper perspective. Right? Keeping, keeping ourselves in proper perspective in light of God's Word and who we are in Christ. I think that believers should be the most humble people on the planet. We should have an understanding. You know what? Anything blessed about me, anything great about me is only because I am saved by grace. <laughs> I was nobody without Jesus Christ. Man, and I would still be nobody without His influence and without His grace on my life. Humility attracts God's grace. He gives grace to the humble and He gives it to us generously. Glory to God. So I want to encourage you. Embrace your limitations rather than fight or try to cover them up. Embrace your limitations. Don't make excuses for your weaknesses. Let me read this to you real quick. We're about to be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I already read it to you once. And I want to read verse 9 and 10. It says, My grace is all you need. This is Jesus, His words again. My power works best in weakness. So now, and this is Paul talking now, okay? Notice the difference here. 
So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions and troubles that I face for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Did you notice the difference? Just a couple of verses prior to these, what was he doing? He was begging God three different times. I begged or I pleaded with Jesus to take away these weaknesses. To take away this thorn in my flesh. To take away you know, what's zapping me of my strength. I begged three times. And each time, the Lord said to him, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So you may be here today and you may be saying, oh my gosh, I can't work with this person. I can't even stand the sight of this guy. Lord, remove this person from my life. I know you have the ability to make it look like an accident. Just take them out. And he looks at us and he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Lord, help me with my temper. I can't seem to beat this thing. I keep flying off at the handle. I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm reading books and I'm going to classes and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I just can't seem to overcome this weakness. Help me. Take away my anger. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. But God, you just don't understand. Please take this away from me. My life would work so much better if you would just remove this from me. Right? Have you ever been there before? Maybe not this dramatic. But we've all been there at some point. And maybe you're there today. And you know what? His response the third time to you is the same as the first time. My grace is all you need. My power works best and weakness. Did you notice that Paul's entire demeanor changed once he accepted God's grace? Everything changed. The third time that Jesus spoke to him, and it may take us four, five, six, seven, eight, some of you may be working on four or five decades. Jesus has been hollering at you, my grace is all you need. Quit trying to work it out on your own. But did you notice here that when he finally accepts it the third time, everything changed about him, what he said? He said, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Could it be that if we would just embrace our weaknesses, accept our inability, could it be that if we would just do that, that we would then have access to His ability? I believe it is. It'll change everything. As long as Paul was asking the Lord to take away his weaknesses, he remained frustrated. And some of us are there today. You are frustrated with yourself and you are frustrated with the people around you. And you are frustrated with the circumstances that surround your life. 
And I believe it's many times because we are trying to figure things out and work things out in and of ourselves. And the longer we continue to try to do that, we are operating in pride. But once we come to the realization and the revelation that we cannot conquer this on our own, then His power is made perfect in our weaknesses. You know, our limitations are meant to be channels of God's limitless power in and through our lives. It's His grace. It's His grace in Romans 12.6 that gives us different gifts for doing certain things well. It's His grace that enables us to do what we cannot do in our own strength. This is it, I promise. Stephen Furtick said this. How many of you guys are familiar with him? Even if you're not, this is really good. <laughs> Stephen Furtick said, the things that drive you crazy about yourself might be central to the fulfillment of your potential. Your weaknesses don't disqualify you. They actually qualify you even more because they are the portals through which God's power permeates your life. You know what I thought of when I heard this the first time? Swiss cheese. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen a block of Swiss cheese? It's got all those holes in it and everything. I, I pictured myself as that Swiss cheese. Every flaw, every weakness is a hole. It's, it's something that, that we just, it's something that's missing in our lives. That's what we feel like, I think, when we have a weakness. We have a flaw. We have something that we just can't seem to overcome. We feel like, oh, there's just that hole in my life. Man, but just like he says here, those weaknesses in our character, they don't disqualify us. They qualify us all the more. Those things that we can't figure out or solve on our own or overcome in our own strength, they don't disqualify us. They qualify us even more. Those are the channels. Those holes in our character. Those that addiction that we can't seem to overcome. You know what those things are? Those are just perfect opportunities for God's power to permeate your life. Man, fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. The more holes I have in my life, the easier it is for Him to fill me up with Himself. The more problems I seem to have, it's more opportunity for Him to come and for His power to be made perfect in my weakness. I want to encourage you today. I have a lot more that I could share with you about God's power, but His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you today. Redemption Church meets every Sunday morning on Crockett Street at the gig. If you would like to know more, you can find us online at www.redemptiontx.com or join us for one of our two services at 930 or 11.15 a.m. Sunday mornings in downtown Beaumont. Kids are welcome too. We are Redemption, and we would love to meet you.